FFM Productions presents Two Wild Orchids. Not your mother's podcast. Hey, I'm I'm here to be used by you guys. So, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I was very deliberate with the wording of that too. By the way, ladies. Well, so, if, if only every guy said that. I'm here to be used by you. <laughs> I love that. That is, that's the intro. <laughs> uh, Monica, are we recording? Yep. I'm Sean Lee. I'm Monica. And we are the two wild orchids, the place you come for sex and fun. And today we have a man who wants to be used by us. <laughs> Dr. Corey Allen is a marriage and family therapist. He has a super popular podcast. It's called Sexy Marriage Radio, and he was kind enough to agree to come on. So thank you, Dr. Corey. Yay! Yeah, this will be fun. All right, so our audience may not be familiar with you. Can you tell us a little bit about you? Uh, sure. So I'm, I'm a marriage and family therapist by training. Um, I have a private practice here in, I live in the Dallas suburbs, but then I also have been online. Um, Sexy Marriage Radio has been in existence for eight and a half years. Wow. I've been writing online for 12, a um, couple of books. And my whole goal uh, is, is largely just trying to help married couples have better marriages that don't just survive, but thrive. And then within that, I want their sex lives to be fantastic because I think it's, a, it's such a blessing, sacred part of a relationship that uh, I want couples to be able to experience all that they can in that, mm -hmm. act, in that aspect of their life. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what I'm hearing is you have the same goals that we have. Because we are all about making sure that sex, so the mission of our show is to unshame sex. And I love that you have Naked Marriage. And that's the right. name of your book, right? right? Naked Marriage. I love Naked Marriage. Monica, you like naked relationships. <laughs> Especially recently. Right? Yeah. So, Dr. Corey, what is Naked Marriage for anyone who doesn't know? So it's, it, uh, it's a culmination of a lot of work in, in writing and some courses I've done over the time. Um, I come at, uh, we, have, we have similar uh, focuses from, from what I know of you ladies too, in that we're trying to just uh, take some of the myth and guilt and shame and all the baggage that comes around our sex lives and our sexuality and, and be a little more open and upfront and honest about it. And my whole bent comes from a Christian background and my audience is, is a Christian background and audience. And there is a wealth of shame and guilt on this topic, largely because church and religion have done such a horrific job of not talking about it. Or if they do talk about it, it's in a negative connotation. And so true. And so the idea of naked marriage, one is I love play on words with it's, it's a little more of an edgy feel. Um, to it. But the other is, I believe marriage is designed to help us grow up, uh, metaphorically speaking, to get naked, where we become exposed, not just physically, but who we are. Oh, you, so, can't you can't hide who you are in a marriage. So you're talking about being real with your partner, being transparent, being, being your true self? I, I think that comes along with it, whether you like it or not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Emotionally naked is what I'm hearing. Right. Because, you know, it's like that whole idea. If you've been with anybody any length of time and you come home and you've had a really bad day and they ask you, but you put on your game face to try, to try not let it be on of what, you're, what, what really went on, they'll see that something, something doesn't line up with what you're saying. They'll yeah, you see it as, 
I don't know if I'm buying what you're telling me right now because your body tells me otherwise. Well, I think too, for at least in my relationships, I think sometimes then I take it really personally, you know, sure. or, I, or I make it about me and it's really not about me. It's just about this person. So, you know. Yeah. Right. I was, one of the things Monica and I was t- were talking about beforehand is, as I mentioned, we were, we had, for the audience who didn't know, is we have been reading your, your blogs and listening and, and really getting caught up on your work. And one of the things that we talked about was you've got in the, in the Naked Marriage book, you've got 13 myths of marriage, right? Right. Okay. So I don't know that we've got time for all 13, but, <laughs> but we are all kind of in close quarters right now with Corona. Right. And I can't imagine what new myths are evolving. <laughs> Fair. But your number one was you complete me. Right, which is um, to, to, stay, to take the line from Jerry Maguire, which <laughs> has been romanticized and put on this huge pedestal. That, oh, wait, you mean that's wrong? Oh, Hollywood. Uh, <laughs> yes. Damn um, you. I, yeah, I'm, my my belief is that uh, to make a great relationship, you're, it requires two full functioning humans that choose each other, not one that has a lacking that is then made up for by their partner. Hmm. Oh, okay. So wait a minute. For people who don't know, what would you define as a full functioning human? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that, that, that's one of those ones that's kind of like pornography. I can't tell you what it is, but I can tell you when I see it. Um, so true. Great analogy. <laughs> so it's, it's uh, the way, I mean, part of, part of life is uh, we, we go back and forth between two fundamental life forces, if you will, of separateness and togetherness. Mm-hmm. In that I want to be uh, a companion with somebody, to have intimacy, eroticism, love, sex, passion, all the kind of stuff that comes along with the relationship. But then I also want to be my own person. Don't you dare tell me what to do. And Exactly. (laughs) So we all fall victim into this whole, just like you're describing of, I love you, but don't tell me what to do mentality. And I think that uh, one of the things we do a lot, and this is what's happening in our, in our world right now with the close quarters, shelter at home um, kind of confines is we don't recognize how when we limit the space between us, we really start to squash and smother each other. Yes. And, and it's really hard to feel like I can be myself without it being offensive to a person that's in close proximity to me. So it's interesting because, you know, Esther Perel talks about the passion happens in the space between. And right now we have no space between. Correct. Well, physically. You yeah. Can still, you can still have a lot of emotional space in between you, even when you're in close proximity. So what would you say to couples who are completely tied up together? Um, to recognize one of you, one of, one, it's already been pointed out in our conversation just to, thus far of how do you overreact to your partner's reactions of things that where you're personalized something that's not personal? Mm-hmm. Wait, can you explain that more? I'm sorry, I lost something. No, that's okay. So um, it's the idea of you're sitting around. It, so you, you've both put in your work day, whatever that might look like uh, under the same roof. Because I, like in my house currently right now, I'm married to a tax accountant. So it's tax season. So she's Ooh. nonstop work. Um, and then I've got two teenage kids that you're both doing school online. And so we have hours, quote unquote, of here's when school's over. <laughs> so until oh, wow. that point, you're working. And 
And so maybe we have a time where in the evening it's like, hey, we're going to all sit down and watch some show that we've all been looking forward to, or at least I thought we all were looking forward to. Mm -hmm. And then as we start watching it, my wife might be going, you know what, I, this just, it, I'm not involved in this. I don't care about this show right now. I'd rather go back to work. And so she heads back to the other room to start working. And I take that personal as if she just rejected me. Right. Rather wow. than, no, she just went to go do job, her job. <laughs> so why am I being so overreactive about something when it may have nothing to do with me? I think we, I think a lot of us do that in relationships where, we, you know, I mean, I was just saying, you know, it's so easy to, I think, you know, turn it into being something about yourself when really you don't know. And until you talk to your partner and say, yeah. hey, you know, could, could we make up these stories in our heads all the time about why people are doing things? And sometimes I think if we just stop and maybe ask our partner, hey, why did, why did you do that? Or I was looking forward to the, to the movie, you know, what is, are you upset or whatever? And I'm always surprised by the answer. Which, <laughs> sure. which, which often has nothing to do with me. Well, well I, <laughs> you know, well, I have a question in that because, because I think that's really, uh, by the way, I love the, the, the metaphor. All right. So here we are, we've all sat down for a movie and she gets up and she leaves the room. And then one of us wants to ask, why did you leave? And Dr. Corey, this is where I want your input. What's a great way to have that conversation without creating defensiveness? Mm. Because the first thing mm. I thought is if somebody asked me that and I wasn't in that wholeness of space, I, I would feel judged and, and defensive. So how do you create that space of not having that defensiveness in, the, in those instances? So you may not be able to have that in that instance, but you could possibly after the fact mm. where do I need to respond to the fact that she left the room from something I thought we were enjoying or can I come back to that later after said show is over? Mm -hmm. I mean, we're, yeah. we're not in, in some regards, because I hope in most not, not knowing all of your audience, but I'm assuming people are not in relationships with puppies and they're trying to train them. No, not today. Where, where you have to catch them in the act to train them. No, right. we're with people. They know what they've done or not done. Mm -hmm. And so well, I can come back to it. I don't, sometimes it's not the best time to deal with something because they're not at their best or I'm not, or it's the end of the day and we're both tired. So right. deal with or, it later. We've had underlying, because I think everybody right now is having, at least I know I am, you know, this sort of low grade anxiety. And, yeah. A little bit of stress, you know, sure. and I'm sure that doesn't help that we're all on top of one another right now and spending more time with, with one another than we're used to. And we don't, we, we don't have that outlet either to just go and, you know, leave. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Nobody can, nobody can walk away out of anger. That's true. Usually you can take a time out. Yeah. I mean, I can, cause I, I can go take a walk, but, but for most people, I think it's like difficult to, uh, you know, to, to be able to just kind of get that space that you may need. So we may be more, you know, not poking, that's not really the right word, but we may be a little bit more aggressive about our conversations because <laughs> we're sitting in front of one another all the time. Right. And, and so that's where then it's probably, it, it's beneficial for each person to recognize how am I not creating space well and from the goodness of me when I need to, because if I'm not doing it overtly, you can guarantee you're doing it covertly. So true. I love what you said about puppies. I just kind of want to pause on that a second because I think, I know for me, I can, I've worked a long time inside of this body of mine, and, but I can remember times I was really reactionary oh, yeah. as opposed to being, you know, responsive. But I love, I love that. We're not, we're not dating puppies. 
<laughs> I hope right, not. we're not married to puppies. <laughs> yep. And so we don't have to grab them by the scruff and then go, no, you yep. do not talk to me like that. <laughs> yep. When we could wait like, you know, 24 hours and go, you know, yesterday when yep. you said this, I felt this way. What, that what can if, be easier said than done though. I'm a very reactionary person. So it is, no. I know so it's very, I, it is hard for me because when I get flooded or whatever you want to call yep. it, you know, it is difficult mm -hmm. for me to get out of my reptile brain and take a little breather and be like, okay, I can revisit this, which inevitably I will completely shift and feel better, you know, in that conversation. But, but in that moment, man, you're, you're on it. I seem very, I feel very justified. Totally. Totally. <laughs> I love that. I feel very justified and how dare you. Okay. <laughs> so then, the, so then the question turns to what kind of collateral damage do you want to make with your justification? Right. Oh, absolutely. Oh, good. How, what kind of collateral damage do you, so yeah. Cause it's a, not just, it's not just the person you're with that's getting this collateral damage. It's also you. For sure. Absolutely. And, and I think too, you know, I sometimes have to really be aware of not wanting to be right in, a, mm -hmm. in something mm -hmm. like that. Right. Like, you know, and I think that we all do that as well, where we, you know, there's like a, this whole right and wrong you know, you have right, to, which, I have to have this conversation now because I want to be right about it. <laughs> which I love that framework because I, um, one of the truisms that I have is this idea of if I enter into a relationship or a dynamic within my relationship with the need to be right, that means I'm making my partner wrong, which Ooh. then means they lose, which then means I'm married to a loser. Mm. Oh, Mary! Do I really want to be in a relationship with a loser? <laughs> oh, no. oh, God! You're all over me today. I just need a minute. <laughs> okay, moving on, Doctor okay. Allen. <laughs> <laughs> so, when we're talking about close close quarters, and we've kind of already established how we can break some of that that intimacy bonds, what what would you say we should do to create some of it? Um, well, a lot of it then just comes down to the intentionality, um, because in the early stages of relationship, you mean you ladies know this in the early stages of relationships, intimacy is pretty easy to create because you're both high, mm. right? You know, on that, <laughs> right. on that chemical in your brain that floods oh. us and we makes us obsessive about each other. And yeah, you know, it feels so good. We've talked well, about that on our mm -hmm. show. Right. It does. So, uh, but once that fades, then you start asking yourself, maybe I'm with the wrong person. Maybe there's some, maybe it's just lost. Maybe we're incompatible and all those could be actually true, but the likelihood is, I mean, I, I also love one of the phrases the idea the moment, the, the, when you wake up one morning and wonder, am I married to the wrong person? That's when married life really begins. Hmm. Right. Because I've been married for 20 years. That's the truth. Well, I'm, my wife and I are celebrating 27 next year. Congratulations. Next month, so, wow. I've um, never been married. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Um, yeah. But it, it's still, it's just recognizing a lot of what's going on. You know, if we're dealing with trying to create a, a closer connection with somebody that's on an intimate level or a sexual level, None of that stuff when you're in normal day-to-day -day life, none of that stuff happens by accident. There has to be an intentionality by one person starting it. You know, I, I jokingly say, I don't ever just trip and fall and all of a sudden I'm in my wife's vagina. You know? <laughs> it's because if, if that's the case, I have to ask, why is she laying on the ground like that waiting right? for me? Right. That's not, that's not who I'm married to. So, are, so, you, are you kind of saying like we pick each other? 
What do you mean by that? Well, so I'm thinking along the lines of what you're saying is that, you know, we find ourselves in these relationships and then for lack of a better word, the shine can sometimes wear off the penny where, and it's really what we're focusing on because we, we chose each other. We picked each other in the beginning. Right. Right. And I mean, there's a reason we, I mean, I, I personally believe in, and this is a theoretical basis, uh, just based on schooling and, and the way I view life and human existence, that we meet and fall in love with somebody and stay with the person because they make sense on how they do life. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. They do it just enough different, but underneath it all, there's enough commonality that it's like, okay, I get this. You make sense to me. Because mm. um, the ones that if, but you don't complete a, me. Yeah. <laughs> you don't complete me. Exactly. It's, it's not a hierarchy. I think we're all in the process of trying to get to completion. Mm-hmm. And the sophistication in that is our partner is oftentimes the best drive wheel for my own development. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because they will see my shortcomings and point them out, even unbeknownst to themselves. Sometimes there's cruelty in the reason they're pointing it out. But a lot of times it's just because it impacts them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they shine a spotlight on that stuff. Exactly. So, I mean, marriage is a full-length mirror of ourself. Mm-hmm. And a close second to that is parenting. And right. Because our kids are mirrors of ourselves and, and the good and the bad of that. So, it's yes, we pick each other, and marriage is a choice all the way through in my book. Um, you know, coming up on 27 years, every day is still a choice. Mm-hmm. Yes. Just like it was day one. Um, but I think that what matters is us being um, more closer to each other. We, start, we, we run into that idea of what are we co-creating together versus what's still mine, right? And, right. and who am I as an individual? Because just because I say I do doesn't mean I cease to exist as an individual. Mm. It, I have like things I like to do my wife doesn't to do, like to do. So- how are okay. you guys? How are you guys doing this? Uh, this whole quarantining thing in terms of having Wait, they're kids. quarantined and she does taxes. Let's be clear. <laughs> okay, and they're teenagers. <laughs> well, I think you know at least with my partner, it's like I don't. I want to do stuff with him. You know, like when we yeah. go grocery shopping, like it's it. You know, I want to go out and do everything. Not everything, but I. You know, it's harder to get away. So, you know. Well, that's right. like his other myth. The myth number three. Right. That's what I'm, right. that's what I'm picking up on. Happy, couple, happy couples. Happy couples want to do everything. Not unhappy couples. <laughs> okay. My mother and father <laughs> spent every single, they, were, they met on a Saturday. They married the following Sunday. They were married for 41 years till he died. And I swear to God, they created the most codependent relationship I've ever seen. Mm. They okay. did nothing apart. Nothing. Okay. And to me, you know, so there was a lot of untraining. So I would love to hear more about happy couples do everything together. Please go. Well, th- you mean the myth of that? Yes, that's what okay. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Let's right. be clear. Right, um, right, right. Because, that myth thing, right. 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 And, and just like you're describing, though, there are exceptions to every one of these because there are some that, man, they just click. Mm. No, works. they didn't. They were crazy codependents. No, he's well, saying some couple. Oh, some, sorry. Can do I, it. I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to say all of this is a blanket. It, it works in every single case. With of course, of course. Okay, just checking. Because, you know, that's the, whole, that's the whole thing of the couples that work together. Like they start a business together and they build it together. And I'm like, mm. I don't have any clue how you could do that. My wife, <laughs> my wife and I, somebody would die. 
<laughs> if that happened. And it's not because of suicide. It's right. because of murder. <laughs> that <laughs> so, murder-suicide makes the news. Yeah, no, this would just be a flat-out murder because the other one wouldn't <laughs> off themselves. Who, just, who would murder whom? Yes, it depends on the, the, it would depend on the business. Is it, ta- is it tax season? Because I got I to gotta bet on her. If it's taxes, I would be dead, yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But no, so I think, it, again, this just goes back into kind of Esther Perel's statement of if I don't have the space between us, I don't allow for energy, passion, and eroticism. And mm-hmm. so there's something about me seeking what really makes me feel alive and stirs the deeper parts of my soul that some include her and some don't. So me still following that allows me to come back to her, which is the difference of that there's so much power of when she says, Hey, I'm going to head back and just go read for a little while. Cause I know that's a way for her to decompress mm. and, and just reconnect with her life again. I want that for her mm-hmm. because I'll be the beneficiary of that. Ah, feel you. So then, so then you can, yeah, I get that. Mm. I get that. I like that. So when she fills herself up, you get to have sex. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> Skip it to the end here, guys. <laughs> Doesn't always esoteric. work that way. I'm all esoteric, you know. Yeah, yeah. she's filling her cup. So yes. you get laid. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I like when that ends up as the possibilities and the likelihoods, but it's still, again, I mean, look at it through the lens of, of, of a sex life, too. That if I have a partner that all they're doing is there just for me and not for themselves, that's going to get old, too. That it's like, I want her to seek what she wants too. That's what makes it so inviting and powerful of an experience mm-hmm. where both partners are engaged in it. It's not just, okay, you go ahead. You know, <laughs> that, right. that's going to get old over the long, long run of a relationship. Well, can, can we play with something a second? Because I got an email recently from one of my listeners and we've talked about it on the show before. And one of the challenges he's having is what you're talking about, where her desires aren't coming forward. He wants this, 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 and she doesn't mm-hmm. want to do this, this, and this, right? So what, when, I, when, I, when I hear that, I, I'm, I'm in that space with you of, you know, you're responsible for how you feel in the relationship. But when I think about couples in close quarters, there has to be some imbalance in who's doing the dishes and who's wanting to have sex, Okay. Right. So, so when we're talking to those couples, how do you, how do you navigate that? Well, I don't know if the close quarters is really changing much of the way we navigate life anyway. It's just under the surface easier when we're not in close quarters. Oh, that's interesting. So, right. Not much of the dynamic has changed (laughs) Mm -hmm. just because we live under the same roof 24 seven. Now this, there's still, we're stepping on each other's toes a little more or we're getting each other's ways a little more. But a lot of the way we've delineated who does what and who's responsible for what, that's already in pretty well ingrained. Mm-hmm. So you're saying that if somebody, if, let's use stereotypes, right? So if the guy always wants sex, nothing's changed. He still always wants sex. And if she's right. always the one cleaning up the house, she's still cleaning up the house. Right. But now that we're, we're under one roof 24-7, it's, it's more magnified. Mm. Yeah, or yeah, now now I get a little bit more ammo on my partner because I see it all the time, whereas mm. I used to be able to get away from it. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That I mean, makes- the divorce rate is like soaring right now, right? Or it's alleged- allegedly. allegedly. None of us well, can go to court. <laughs> yeah, there was, there was uh, anecdotal data coming out of China that once, the, once it was, all the stuff was lifted, there was a rush 
on the courts for divorces, but that's, you can't necessarily say that's just because of the quarantine. That could mm. just be the normal number numbers that weren't able to be satisfied during that time. were all of a sudden now pushed to us right when it opened back up. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see because I, I think people are going to fall into kind of two camps with this sort of situation that we're all in. And I, I feel like there are people who are going to actually work on their marriages and maybe possibly, sure. you know, really, take care of things that they weren't taking care of before and chop some wood and get things done. And then I think there are probably couples that are just going to throw in the towel and right. not kill each other. Right. 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 <laughs> hope there's no murder. Yep. Hope so. So I was stalking your website and I saw that you had several eBooks and one of them was called nice girl, nice guy. And I would love for you to tell me more about that because what I think about how full disclosure to you and the audience, I haven't read it yet. Mm. That's fine. But, but what I, what I thought about when I saw that was, I know that in the early years of my marriage, I spent a lot of time trying to be nice, just shutting my mouth, keeping my mouth shut, okay. not saying what I thought. And then I learned, you know, as you do after you've been married for an extended period of time, that does not work. <laughs> it's, it, it, <laughs> okay. there's, a, there's a consequence to it. Yes. Yes. And so I'm curious about this nice girl, nice guy ebook you have. And, and I want to direct people to it through our show notes because I think it's real fascinating. Okay. Just the concept, again, haven't read it. So please tell me more because so, I think that's going on. Yeah. So it's built on the premise that people that are people pleasers oftentimes are some of the most manipulative, covert people on the planet. Oh, man, gonna I'm going to delete all of this out of the show now. <laughs> <laughs> I would consider myself a people pleaser, too. So my ears just perked up. Yeah, we're okay. like, wait, what did you say? All right. Well, <laughs> but this is also all in the context because this is not about being a decent civil human being. Right. That's that's not what I'm talking about with this. I'm, I'm talking about the idea of I'm trying to get something covertly oh, by being nice, oh. right? Yeah. By, I, I mean, Maybe. What, you, what you described on early on, of I would, I would bite my tongue. I wouldn't speak my mind. And that's what you're trying to get is you're trying to keep the peace. Yes. Okay. But you're doing it through your own detriment. Guilty. So that's where I never have that problem. <laughs> I'm like the total opposite. Okay. okay, you haven't been married for 20 years. Yeah, no, that's true. But it's also built off of this idea that uh, there's a guy, Dr. Robert Glover, that he's the one that kind of coined the term the nice guy syndrome. Mm. And, it's, and it's the guys that have bought into the lie that happy wife equals happy life. Oh, please tell me more. Mm -hmm. And and it's this idea of where they stop being who they are and they just become, how can I be this prototypical uh, giving, sacrificial, to a fault? But it, the undercurrent of all of that is covertness. Because well, and they lose their balls, which then we don't exactly, and then we don't respect them anymore. Exactly. And that's, that's the fallout of it. Because yeah. if you are just, if, I mean, and this has been, it's, play, it's played out perfectly clean in my marriage on, I've bought into, I just don't want to upset my wife because I want to maintain the possibility of availability sexually with her. Mm -hmm. And I had this belief, which is so demeaning of women, that if I pissed her off, she would never get turned on again. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and I had to come to grips with, you know what, me owning who I am. Mm -hmm. And I love the phrase of securely fastening my penis to me and living I accordingly. <laughs> The, and living with that, both mm. sexually and masculinity-wise, is actually how I turn her on. And right. Oh, it's so true. And so it's being, you know, bold in who I am, being authentic, being real, being naked, 
if you will, mm-hmm. of yeah. this is who I am. This is what I think. And I know you may not agree. I know you may not like it. It's not the end of the world. We're not heading to divorce court as soon as they open back up. It's just, I don't want Chinese tonight. I right. want this. And, and there is something so attractive in that. Yes. Right. You know, and I think as women, and I, you know, I don't know where you stand on this, but you know, I'm a firm believer in like our like coded DNA. And mm-hmm. I just really believe that women, you know, we want our men to be men. Yeah. You know, I mean. I'm going to be in the same camp that I, I, the biggest problem I have found, and this is really a problem in, in Christian marriages. Yes. Because, because masculinity has been uh, emasculated yes. <laughs> in a lot yeah. of ways. Yeah. And, um, mm. but one of the biggest things I keep coming across and you, you ladies can confirm this since I've got you at my disposal right now, because I'm not the <laughs> only one being used here. Let's just be honest. Um, that, uh, one of the things I think most wives want is they want to be good first officers. They want the husband to be the captain. Oh, I love this. Yeah. I I love that. And that's such a great analogy because it's really, I don't want to be in control, but I also don't want to be a slave. Right. Right. I I, want to have a voice. I want to, I want to feel like, yeah, for sure. You want to be responsible for stuff. You want to be in charge of things, but, but you don't want to be the one that goes down with the ship. No. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I'm going to go down. I'm, I might well, go down with it. But I, but I love that idea of, of co-captaining. Maybe. Yes. Like, you know, there's right. a captain, you're my captain and you're the boss ultimately. And there's something super attractive about that. But I yeah. also have a voice and I, you respect me in a way that you're willing to ask and my opinion. Can, yeah, yeah. And you can sway the captain by just with a good argument or a good mm-hmm, stance mm-hmm. on, hey, no, no, I think we should do this. And exactly. captains that are really good aren't dictators. Yeah, absolutely. That's, so that's I, good. I love that because I lived in, so you live in, in Dallas. I lived in Oklahoma City for 20 years. Okay. Or, and the, the challenge is, is that, that Christian, uh, I'm going to use the term loosely mentality for lack of a better phrase in our discussion mm-hmm. of the surrendered wife and the submissive wife. And, and I, right. think, I, I think that for a lot of women, as female empowerment has come more into its own, mm-hmm. there, there's this hard challenge of that, right? We yeah. want to be women. We want to be feminine. We want to be girly. But if we allow ourselves to be feminine, girly, and, and all of those things that combine that, then it, it's perceived as weak. And none of us right. want to be seen as weak, no matter your gender at all. Mm-hmm. So, right. so I really love that analogy of that captain, because I think sometimes the first officer needs to captain the ship. Because sure. if we're navigating through, for example, in your marriage, your sure. wife gets money. Like she gets it. Yep. She gets it right. on a deep level that most yep. people don't get it. Right. So yep. in theory, if I were going from a 30,000 foot view, I would say, okay, let's let her handle the money. Let's right. let her drive the ship through this, this mm-hmm. bit of water. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the intimate part of the relationship, maybe you should drive the ship a little bit. Right. Well, right. and that's just playing to our strengths. That's the, that's exactly. the way you're describing. Yes. yes. Because through it all with our kids, I work for myself. And so I'm a lot more flexible. And so I've been primary with our children, raising them on getting them where they're supposed to go. I'm, I'm de facto principal right now with, <laughs> with, on, with homeschooling. It's fine. I mean, cause they're, I've tried to raise, I mean, we've had a mantra with our kids from the time that, cause I have a firm belief that when your children reach the point where they can clothe themselves, feed themselves and go to the bathroom on their own, our job shifts to getting them out of our home. So mm-hmm. it's, mm. You know, they can actually complete the sentence of your stay here is temporary. So plan accordingly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so wow. so it's, it's like I'm, I'm not kicking them out now because they're fun as teenagers. This is a, this is a great season of life. But mm. it's this idea of 
we want, I want a self-sufficient human yes. with me, just like I want with a partner in my wife. I want mm -hmm. a self-sufficient human mm -hmm. that she doesn't need me. She wants me. There's a huge difference between those two. Hmm, that's so true. All right, Dr. Corey, so you have these 13 myths, and we've touched on two of them. And so I'm going to toss the ball to you for a second and say, what's the number one myth that you think people run up against? Oh, man. Um, I think that a, a lot of people think that when I hit these gridlock issues of marriage, which a gridlock issue is where what I want is blocked by what my partner wants. Ooh, keep going that I think most people believe that's the end of the relationship hmm. rather than that's when personal development boot camp really starts. Yeah. So that myth would be if I want one thing and you want another, then we're done. Then, then something's broken. Something's so, going wrong. We're obviously not doing it right. So what do you, what do you do if you have a partner that has that mentality where it's done and, and then the other half wants to work things out and doesn't have that like you know every, hey fights happen we're going to argue we're not always going to agree you know what do you do if you have a partner that's really kind of set not set their minds but maybe they're 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 they want the relationship on, to be a whole lot easier yeah like and and every time there's a roadblock you know they are just like i'm out then then you have to ask yourself and i'm going to put you on the spot with this you have to ask yourself of how much do you want to run uh chase after and continue to give somebody that doesn't want to necessarily be there when it gets tough. Yeah, absolutely. Ooh, I got chill bumps on that one. That's mm -hmm. the better question that's then on your shoulders mm -hmm. because it takes two people to have a relationship and only one to choose to end it. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter what the other person says or doesn't say. They don't get a choice on if it ends if one decides they want out. That's true. I was asking for a friend. Uh -huh. Of course you were. <laughs> I, I picked up the code. Yeah, I got that code. She was asking for a friend. Exactly yeah. right. We all ask. I mean, I, I mean, come on, ladies. I, I talk about sex. I talk about sex in a Christian world, and I talk about it bluntly and up front, and we use the code of, you can always ask for your friend. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I give you such props for that, because even in, you know, Monica and I, so I'm, to put it, you know, full disclosure, Monica is, um, has been in long-term relationships, but is not married and has never been. And I have been in a consensually non-monogamous relationship for 20 years. Right. And so we come from very different worlds, and even coming from that, there's so much shame surrounding our topic that totally. I just want to kind of give you kudos, because you decided, talk about baptism by fire let's just dive <laughs> in the deep end on that one and go let's talk about sex and christianity so right job, really because your show is amazing i listen to sexy marriage radio i learn a lot from you i learn a lot from your mm -hmm. your experts i think i think you're pretty remarkable and so Thank i'm you. i'm so glad you came on the show mm -hmm. um and i'd love to have you back again because mm -hmm. we've got some tough questions that come up so i hope you'll come perfect I would, I would love it i mean that's where uh, full disclosure too when you guys first reached out to me and then i did some investing and i'm all like Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> this will be fun. <laughs> awesome. And, and I mean, because I love people, uh, you know, all, all of our values are different. Our values are our values because they work for us. Yes. Right. And, and I, I try to make sure that it's very clean on Sexy Marriage Radio, that my belief and my spirituality, it works for myself and then secondarily for my wife and our marriage but I'm not going to be preaching and tell people what they should or shouldn't do unless mm. it's under the umbrella of health. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and I think Christianity and spirituality and health are real closely tied <laughs> to, yeah, to each I, other. I think they're all going the same direction. So 
we can we can argue about some of the nuances within that, but I want to see freedom in life because I really believe in graciousness and the power of life in our own choice. And let's Can't let's experience all we can. Mm-hmm. Nope. I always say I've read all of the, I, I not read all of them, but I've read, you know, the Tao Te Ching and I've read the Bible and I've read the Quran. I've read them. And so I always find the, the common theme is love. Yeah. Right. It doesn't matter what you're reading. Common theme yeah. is love. And so if you make that your religion, then everything sexual, everything else works. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Well, Dr. Corey, how can somebody get a hold of you if they want to talk to you, if they want to have a session with you? How do they get in touch with you? So I am pretty easy to find. <laughs> uh, my online home is smrnation.com which just sexy merge radio. So it's smrnation.com. Um, right now with, with the world in quarantine, uh, all I do is online sessions. Um, mm. then there's a weekly show that comes out every Wednesday. Hump day. Uh, yeah. As, <laughs> as we're recording this, it was today's episode that aired this morning was episode 463. So we've wow. been doing this wow. for a long time. Um, and we, we really have tried to set up the, if you're not sure, apparently you ladies fit this category too, that if you got a question and you're not sure where else to ask it, uh, we'll answer it. So, <laughs> yeah, that's us. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's nice to know I got, I got colleagues that are doing the same kind of thing, trying you to help the world. You got backup. Trying to help the world. Just let's, let's tackle some of the baggage that's just not necessary around mm. this subject. Perfect. All right. So then I will link your, I will link your website in our show notes and I will link your show in our show notes. And Dr. Corey, if you listen to any of our shows and that's okay if you didn't, we end each show and I'm going to put you on the spot. So prepare yourself, right? (laughs) We end each show with a stay sexy and, and the and usually ties back into our show. Like if we were talking about blowjobs, I might say to Monica, or she might say to me, stay sexy, and I'll say, and suck a dick. So, (laughs) So on our show today, with everything we've covered, I'm gonna say to you, stay sexy, and, Oh man, what what immediately comes to my mind is trip and see if you can fall into a vagina. How about perfect? <laughs> that is a perfect ending. Awesome. <laughs> Excellent, Dr. Corey. Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. This has been fun. <laughs>